0: We're a church that takes the Bible very seriously, so I invite you please to find a Bible nearby. You'll find one hopefully in the pew rack in front of you, uh, or perhaps you can look in the bulletin. You'll find it there as well on page uh, 9, or uh, online on your smartphone, whatever you do, look up the Bible. Let me get you to turn, please, to Matthew chapter 2, and it would be wonderful if you'd have the text open In front of you, because we're going to spend some time looking at it together. This is Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 7 on page 807 in the Pew Bible, uh, or wherever wherever you find it. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 7 to 12. If you would please stand. Stand. Matthew writes, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, gifts, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to be together on Epiphany Sunday. We thank you, Father, that the gospel has come to all nations. We pray that you would please send your Holy Spirit powerfully upon us this morning and give us grace that we might hear your word. Believe it, Father. Obey it and rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. But please keep the Bible open if you don't mind to Matthew chapter 2. I want you to have it open in front of you because I'd like you to know that what I'm going to be uh, preaching on this morning is not simply something I want to tell you. I believe this is something God wants to tell us. He wants to tell us so badly that he's put it in his sovereign word and here we are two millennia later and we have it open in front of us. He has a message that is as timely for us today as it was the day it was written. It's a message from God to the entire world. And this morning's sermon is going to have two simple headings. Uh, one is searching for Jesus, and the second is worshiping Jesus. So keep those two themes in mind as we look at Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 7 through 12. Searching for Jesus, worshiping Jesus. Now, if you look at uh, Matthew chapter 2 at uh, verse 7, there's some important context that you can get if you look back up a few lines to chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he? Uh, The question in the minds of the wise men, the magi, as they came to Bethlehem, as they came to uh, Judea, was, where is he? They came searching for Jesus. The wise men were looking for Jesus, searching for him. It makes me think of the old uh, Christmas card I got years and years ago, and you still see it around. It says, wise men still seek him. And that is true. Wise men do still seek Jesus like the wise men years and years ago, millennia ago. Wise men still seek him because, brothers and sisters, there is absolutely nothing wiser than searching for Jesus. There's a very real sense in which the whole gospel of Matthew was written for people who, in some sense, maybe even more than they realized, in some sense, were searching. Maybe they didn't know exactly what they were searching for or what they are searching for, but Matthew wrote his gospel for people who were searching. It was in fact that searching which probably led them to take up the gospel of Matthew in the first place. It was that searching which led them to come and, and hear the story, the whole story that Matthew records in his gospel. The same story that Mark and Luke and John record in their own words, from their own perspective, in their gospels. The same stories that Paul tells us and that the whole New Testament proclaims. The same stories, in fact, which the Old Testament tell us about in advance. People... We're searching, and people are still searching. We had a new officer's candidate uh, meeting this morning. In fact, it was the first one of the semester. Uh, Three great young guys are in the class. I'm very grateful to each of them, uh, Christian and Brian and Vianne, and we had a wonderful time today getting acquainted. We went around the room. We each told our stories about how we came to be Christians, how we came to be in this room at this time together. And it was interesting to me to hear in our own voices in each of our lives describing a moment when we became conscious of searching for something. I'm very conscious of it in my own life. And in hearing these young men tell their stories, it was striking to hear them say in so many words that there was a moment in their life when they were searching for something. Sometimes they had a name for it. Sometimes we don't have a name for it. But we find ourselves often searching. And the Gospel of Matthew is written for people who are searching. It's written for people who know there's something they're looking for. Just like the wise men. We're going to be doing a series on the Gospel of Matthew for the next uh, several months. And we'll be looking at how Matthew tells the story of Jesus in a way that is specifically aimed at searchers. It's specifically aimed at people who are looking for something and to help them understand that what they're looking for is actually a person. A person named Jesus who was born in Bethlehem and who lived in Judea, who had a mission in his life that he accomplished. And you and I are here today because of what he did those millennia ago, searching for Jesus. It's a theme that will carry us right through the Gospel of Matthew as Matthew helps us to open up Old Testament promises, new revelations in terms of how God is going to keep his promises. And if you come to Metro and if you open your Bibles with us, be prepared to learn, perhaps for the first time, perhaps again, how Jesus is is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. He is the great yes to all the things that we're searching for. And Matthew sets that stage from the very beginning. The wise men were searching for Jesus. Interestingly, though, in Matthew's gospel, there were other people who, in a way, were searching for Jesus. He tells us about others who want to find Jesus. Uh, If you look down at uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, you'll see when Herod the king heard what the wise men said, he was troubled. He wasn't excited. He was troubled. He wasn't curious. He was troubled. And it says, all Jerusalem with him. See, there are a variety of reactions to the promise of Jesus. There is the reaction of, I want to know more. And there's the reaction of, I really hate this. And there were people that Matthew tells us about from chapter 2 onwards. In fact, there are hints in chapter 1 of people who resisted God's covenant promises. But here in chapter 2, it becomes very focused. Herod, and it says, all Jerusalem with him. There was this response, this desire to know more about him, but they were, they were troubled about him. Where is he, they ask in so many words. So it's curious that in Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, it's actually Herod who gives an explanation for this searching or, or a way of describing it. It says in verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. It's interesting, Herod who is troubled by the coming of Christ, the coming of the king, the promised king. And in fact, next week we're going to see exactly how troubled Herod was. And through the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, we will see exactly how troubled the religious establishment and many others in Judea were. We'll see more about that. But it's actually Herod who says, go and do something diligently. There's actually a translation of a single Greek word, exotosite. It's It's to look at something diligently. It's not just to take a passing look at it. It's to look at it earnestly to really diligently study something and interestingly enough that word comes to us not on the lips of one of the angels not on the lips of the evangelist himself speaking for himself but it comes to us in a quote from King Herod search diligently some of the people who search most diligently sometimes are the ones who are motivated by the opposite of good and intentions. They're searching diligently because they hate it. They study it because they hate it. They want to know more because they hate it. They resist it. They want to stop people from turning to the promised Messiah. That's exactly what Herod's going to go on to do. And and there are to this day people who are like that. They're searching for Jesus for all the wrong reasons. So Matthew's gospel has a lot to tell us about that reality as well. We'd be naive to think that there are not enemies to the gospel who are working diligently to oppose the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, some of you will know about an interesting new phenomenon on the Internet. I think it started back in November. My good friend and uh, omni-computer-competent uh, co-worker in the gospel is Scott Kimbrough. Uh, Scott sent me a little uh, email recently about ChatGBT, GPT. I don't know if you've read about ChatGBT. GPT. It stands for Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. It's an online uh, program that you can get access to. I actually looked at it. It's at openai.com. And it is indeed very interesting. It's one of uh, Elon Musk's pet projects that he helped start. It's very very interesting. It's a computer program that is based on artificial intelligence and it's capable of doing very interesting chats. You can have a chat with a computer and it's phenomenal to do it. A couple of us were in the church yesterday afternoon and we experimented asking chat GPT various questions. You could ask it things like uh, uh, describe a debate between Sir Isaac Newton and uh, Bono, the rock star, and in three seconds flat, I'm not kidding you, up would pop on the screen a detailed description of a debate between a, a 17th century English physicist and a 21st century Irish rock star. And it would have quotes and it would have things pulled from their writings and things that they've said in other contexts and they'd put it together and it would be addressing similar topics. It would tell you where they agreed and where they don't agree. It might be three or four paragraphs long. It's amazing in three seconds. So incredibly intelligent, so incredibly able to communicate. It's a wonderful tool, and I'll be interested to see how it's used in the future. I will tell you, I'm, I'm kind of glad Elon Musk is involved because one of Elon Musk's uh, priorities is to make sure that it is, everything is done to make sure it can't be used against us, right? He wants to make sure that everybody has AI. So it's AI for the masses because you can be sure the elites and the power structures in the world, they're spending a lot of time and money on AI, Well, there are those who want to make sure that same technology is available to us. I'm not uncritical of it, but I think it's very, very interesting. But I want you to notice this. I asked it while we were talking. I said, describe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in three seconds, I got a beautiful four-paragraph description. A couple of others and I read it. I couldn't have written a better three or four paragraphs on the gospel. It was beautifully written. Not only excellent English, but just the, the uh, logic of it flowed so well. It was an amazing short paragraph or two on the gospel. And then I said, is the gospel true? And it said, I can't answer that question. Very interesting. It actually went on to say that that's subject to every person's decision. That's, that's, in a sense, true. But here's the thing. The gospel is true, whether we agree with it or not. The gospel is true. And the thing is, the problem with something like artificial intelligence and all the different things that our society is dealing with is it's all been programmed. And it can't do what it isn't programmed to be able to do. And you know, the fact is, that's true for us too. We're incapable of doing things that our life experiences, our sinful hearts, our rebellious spirits, that programming, which is built into us, cannot by itself, will not by itself accept the gospel. It takes the work of the Spirit to open our ears and open our hearts. That's why... Why I pray every Sunday, Lord, open our ears, open our hearts, help us. Make it possible for us to hear exactly what you want us to hear. So that we can search with a purpose. And very often, the realization of a search is evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're searching for Jesus because you really want to find him in order to worship him truly, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit's already at work. Searching for Jesus. Matthew's going to have a lot to teach us about that. Far more than a computer can teach us. He's going to teach us on the basis of life experience and in ways in which their lives actually overlap and and are very, very similar to our lives as well, through good times and hard times. So we do want to, as Herod says, search diligently, but we want to do it with a humble heart, with a heart open, to finding him and worshiping him not simply in word as herod did but in truth so the wise men come teaching us about searching for jesus these wise men from the east it says they came to worship this new king and that's the second point i'd like for you all to think with me about this morning Uh, Matthew has a lot to say about worshiping Jesus. We're going to see that the Gospel of Matthew is actually put together to draw sinners like you and me to worship Christ. In fact, that's going to be the conclusion of Matthew's Gospel. It's those disciples worshiping Jesus, even though some resisted, those worshiping disciples who were given a commission, because worship leads to a commission we worship in order to help other people worship and that's where Matthew going to be leading us in fact that's where all the gospel writers are leading they're all leading from knowing Jesus to proclaiming Jesus from finding Jesus to worshiping Jesus and living in relationship with him a relationship that goes on all our life into eternity That's the kind of worship that Matthew is going to describe. And interestingly, here in Matthew chapter 2, the very first people we're told about in Matthew's gospel who worshiped Jesus were not the Jews, although we have every reason to think Joseph and Mary worshipped on the basis of what the angel told them. But interestingly, Matthew doesn't record that. Matthew records very specifically that the first people to worship Jesus in his telling of the story, and he has a point, a purpose, the very first people to worship Jesus were not from Palestine. They were not from Judea. They were not Jewish. The first people to worship Jesus Christ, as Matthew tells the story, were from the East. He tells us that back in chapter 2, verse 1. And that's the same wise men we read about in chapter 2, it's the same wise men who say that they have come to worship him, who come to find him, who come and follow the star that they had seen, it says in verse 9, when it rose. Uh, it's the same wise men who saw the star and says in verse 10, they, they saw it, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped. They're the first people that Matthew tells us about having that response in their search for Jesus to worship him. I mentioned last Sunday there, there are a number of dimensions to worship. At its most basic, worship really just means to fall down before, to be at someone's feet, this position of great humility. At its most basic, that's that's what worship means. It's to fall down before. Did the wise men fully understand who Jesus was? Probably not. Was their worship the full understanding of who this baby was? Probably not. But they were the first ones who responded to what they saw in their search for him. And they bowed before him and worshipped him. So Matthew has a lot to say about worship. He has a lot to say about obedience. He has a lot to say about the kind of things we think of when we think of worship. We've been worshiping all morning. We've been worshiping. We've been been in our hearts falling down before the Lord, praising him, thanking him, acknowledging him. That was the first thing that Jay did for us this morning, right after we sang our opening hymn, was we acknowledged God's presence And to truly acknowledge the presence of a living God, to truly do that is to fall before him. We may not do it uh, in a a way that you can look around the room and see. We're, We're Presbyterians. We're very reserved about some of the manifestations, some of the displays we're comfortable doing. But in the heart, that's what's ultimately important. The heart that falls down before Jesus. Ultimately, that's what's really important. And it was the wise men from the east who first did that. You know, uh, it's an interesting thing, this idea of east. The uh, English word east in Greek is anatole, anatolon. Uh, That's the east, anatolon. And that word actually means the rising. It's the rising of the sun. that's what they call the east. It was from the rising of the sun. So you'll see some parallels to that in the Old Testament. What they call the east and what is here translated the east is this idea of it it being from the direction of the rising of the sun and surely that was significant. We see so often how these these images, these ideas figure into what Matthew tells us. We've already seen the significance of the star that leads the wise men. Now we see that they come from a place that was actually from the rising of the sun. They're, They're coming To the west, they're moving west from the east. And we know that the wise men, the magi, were actually very likely from Persia or uh, India perhaps, somewhere east of Jerusalem. And they brought with them uh, these very significant gifts. And uh, we talked last week about the significance of gold, the kingly gift, and frankincense, the gift of worship, and myrrh. The unusual, most unusual of all the gifts, which was used to preserve royal bodies. These were the three gifts that the wise men brought with them as an act of worship to the Lord. But you know what was the most significant thing about all of that? It wasn't the symbolic gifts. It wasn't that there were three of them. As as tradition says, we don't know exactly. In the East, they say there were 12 of them. We don't know the number. It's not really important how many there were. Uh, It's not important whether they were uh, magicians or astrologers or scientists or wise men or kings. Ultimately, that doesn't matter. In the sense, Matthew avoids that debate by just calling them the wise men, the magi. sums it up very neatly. We don't have to debate exactly who they were and exactly what they did. Because, you know, what was the most important thing about the wise men? Was that they came from the east? They came from the world outside of Judea. They were, if you will, if you will, the ambassadors bringing worship to the King of the Jews. They were, in a sense, our representatives. They brought their gifts and their worship and themselves to offer. To the child Christ. Not a newborn baby. Child is a different word. A child. This little baby that had grown up a few months. Of, uh, and, and was was more like a toddler. Just beginning to come into his own. Just, just beginning life. And they are our representatives. You know everywhere is east of somewhere. Everywhere you. We live on a, on a sphere right. Everywhere is east of somewhere. Uh, If you stand here, east is the Bahamas. Uh, East is anywhere on the eastern coast of the United States. That's east to me and to most of us. That's what we think of. But you know what? In Jerusalem, east was Persia and India and Arabia. That was east for them. You know, a few years ago, I lived in uh, Alaska. And uh, east in Alaska was uh, was, Canada. Canada. Uh, In Alaska, uh, the west was Korea, for instance. Korea, that's that's another part of the world that's outside of Judea, outside of the Jewish culture, outside of the Jewish community. And so what these wise men represent to us is, in a sense, all the nations, because we're all east of somewhere, all the nations and it's very symbolic, very significant that they came from the east of Jerusalem. They came, and they represent the whole world coming to Christ. In fact, the Old Testament tells us that, that the nations will stream to the promised Messiah. And brothers and sisters, here we are at Epiphany 2023, and you and I get to be a part of that ongoing mission of Jesus Christ reaching out to the whole world and people in the whole world responding. It's a thrilling thing to me to be in church this morning and to hear brothers and sisters in Christ sing praise to the same Savior in a different language that's not familiar to me but is precious to Jesus. And to sing praise to his name and to lead all of us in singing praise to his name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Lee. Thank you, friends from Hope KPCA for embodying that realization that the gospel, brothers and sisters, is for the entire world. Every language, every tribe, every nation. And Matthew tells us that in chapter 2. And the rest of his gospel is going to be showing us how God working first among the Jews and then in the rest of the New Testament to the rest of the known world as the gospel spread and spread and spread. It spread eventually to include Carrollton, Texas. And it will spread through us to include other places in the world where people are searching in the dark. They don't know what they need. They don't know what they want. But God has given them a desire and openness and eagerness. And he's working in their hearts. And he gives us the gospel which is the answer to their deepest longings. A computer can't do that. But we can do that. We can take it to those whom God puts in our paths. Those who are our neighbors. People who live near us. We can send missionaries. We can send missionaries to Lebanon and the Bahamas and Around the world. We can send people. With this life giving message. That in your search. There is an answer. Who longs to be found. And who is actually calling you. To himself. The search. Is actually him calling us. To himself. Well. Happy Epiphany, brothers and sisters. This is a day when, as we gather at the Lord's table in just a second, we're going to be doing it in light of this gospel, which is for the whole of the universe, the whole world. All nations are included in this amazing gospel, which Matthew is going to tell us about. It's my prayer that the Holy Spirit will help us to hear that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our sadness, to reach out to us and bring us closer to himself so that we can help others come to him as well.